Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, before we get started, be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now, wherever you get your favorite podcast from. Uh, we put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound. Would love to keep you up to date, whether that's on uh, YouTube, on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and so many other places. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Bruce Hornsby. Bruce is back with a brand new record called Absolute Zero. He's teamed up with a whole lot of magical musicians on this one, including Y Music, uh, Justin Vernon, Bon Iver, The Staves, and even grabbed some lyrics from uh, Robert Hunter, the Grateful Dead lyricist. We're going to talk about all of that. A lot of this record comes from his work with Spike Lee. If you didn't know it, he scores a lot of Spike Lee projects. And he's taken that type of work and he's made that into a really big album. So we get to hear about that as well. And even how some of the songs beyond that share some roots with classic R&B. It's quite the honor to talk to him. Kyle Meredith with Bruce Hornsby. Hey, Kyle. How's it going? Thanks for this, man. It's a, it's an honor to talk to you. Well, okay. I don't know why, but it's nice of you to say that. Uh, <laughs> your, your word is your name is a two-syllable word in, in our house because one life twin sons were growing up. They had a friend named Kyle, but they called him Kyle. Uh-huh. Everybody, ever since that we've known named Kyle, we called him Kyle. <laughs> uh, they used to collect Pokemon cards, and whenever they'd get one that they thought Kyle didn't have, they'd look at each other and just go, Kyle, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> See, now... Sort of, sort of rubbing it in, so, so, uh, between the two of them, yeah. rubbing it in that they thought they had one that Kyle didn't have. So. <laughs> So there you are. There I am. You're Kyle to, to our family. I actually like that a little bit better than growing up in the country where it was Kyle was more like cow. You know, it was cow. So yeah, cow. Yeah, yeah, cow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most people around where I live here would say cow. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably how I would say it if I didn't have these two knuckleheads who said Kyle. <laughs> 
Well, dude, congratulations on uh, on absolute zero. Uh, it's an it's a fun and adventurous listen through this whole thing, snaking around well, I'm all the glad sounds. You find it to be fun. I, I as as my records go, it tends to be a much more serious record than my usual, where we're writing songs like Rehab Reunion, the title song from our last record, or What the Hell Happened to Me. I tend to go for the comedic or the attempt, attempted comedic uh, move uh, through the years. But, but this, this time, less so. But, uh, but I've, had, I've heard this a little bit before uh, on Absolute Zero. So, okay, fun, fun it is. Well, and I should say, you know, we're going to get into some themes here in a bit, and, and I know there's some, some, yeah. um, some heavier lyrical play here, but, but I guess that, you know, for the fun... It, it does come from the music for me because, you know, you're using, I mean, you've got Y music on here. And, and that's, I mean, that's a band, yeah. you know, Y, or not a band, I don't know what you call them, a collective, I guess. But, you know, yeah. they bring a very specific, versatile, certain sound to a thing. It's a, it, and at times it can be playful, I guess. Well, absolutely. It's certainly one of the more playful songs musically is Voyager 1, which is a song about a kid's fascination with space and, uh, and sort of ruminations on that. But so the groove is it's sort of upbeat, maybe the most upbeat, that and fractals uh, on the record. And they're, of course, all over that song. And it's a joyful noise, there's no doubt. So, yes, that, that is one of the more... That, that will certainly be on a live playing level one of the more sort of exuberant and sort of extroverted songs that uh, that we'll play uh, for, from this record and you bring a voyager one let's let's go ahead and hit that too because you know it, it's now becoming um uh you know what the what the press is running with here the steve reich meets prince line that you threw out i think in a press release which is a, a really fun way to describe <laughs> that but um well, i don't know it just seems appropriate uh years ago I wrote a song with Robbie Robertson for his uh, second record, Storyville, his second sto- solo record, post band. You know, the band was the, sort of the lead songwriter of the band and uh, the, the sort of seminal Americana group. I guess you could say Americana music comes from the mm-hmm. band, if mm-hmm. it's possible to say something like that. Anyway, we wrote this song called Go Back to Your Woods, and in the m- middle of it, I was doing these sort of falsetto bits singing this uh, this B section uh, and he called it Bad Bruce and basically sort of likened it to a Prince-esque thing. So I guess I'm sort of revisiting that many years later on this, mostly in a couple of ad-libs after the second chorus to be perfectly, be totally specific about it. So that that's where the Prince thing comes. You could also say it's coming from Stevie Wonder, and I'm, I'll tell you why. It's actually a fun story. You know, a lot of this music comes from Spike Lee film cues that I've written over the past uh, 10, 11 years for Spike. Mm-hmm. I've been scoring things for him for a, a good while now. And so there was a, I was doing a score for Spike Spike's film accompanying the video game NBA 2K16. Okay, so I was doing this 2015, and he asked me to do this, and I thought, well, how do I wrap my head a- around this? This is a very sort of urban, ghetto basketball scene, urban milieu. That this, uh, in which this uh, this film is set, and so I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do here? Do you know, compose some sort of ersatz hip hop or rap music, some sort of faux rap? Uh, it just seemed like, man, 
maybe I'm the, I don't know why he asked me, maybe I'm the wrong guy for this job. So I'm thinking to myself, uh, sort of again, ruminating about this, this assignment I've just been given. And I came up with what, this, uh, an idea that made it feel like it could, it would resonate for me. It would make me feel comfortable. Like I could, it was a way, a stylistic way into this conundrum, into this problem. So, and, and that was, I thought, well, I'll go back to old, old R&B from my youth. 70s R&B, 70s soul music, and make music coming from that place. Okay, using a lot of Wurlitzer pianos, you know, electric pianos, mm-hmm. sounds from that day. So sort of a retro soul idea I had. And so I called up my drummer, Sonny Emery, and said, Sonny, I have 10 Stevie Wonder tunes, songs. Would you play tracks over those songs? Just give me a drum track over the. Uh, 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 you just play along with these records. And of course, when he was growing up, he was playing along with these records all the time. So it was very natural for him. It was, a, it was an easy assignment for him. So he gave me these. I gave him this list of 10 CD Wonder songs, and he gave me these tracks. And the first one I heard was his 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 drum track playing along with I Wish. So Voyager One is I Wish huh. drum track. <laughs> <laughs> and if you. If you put the two songs together, and what's interesting about it is, I had I said, Sonny, do play along with the record, and then but also give me one where you play along with a quick track, so we can have more of a metronomic feeling. Because Stevie, I believe, played drums on those old records. Oh, he wow. was the drummer. I didn't know those, that. Those fantastic. Yes, Stevie played. Uh, that, that's my impression. That's that's actually what Sonny told me, and I think he would know, <laughs> and because uh, he's a long-time veteran of the R&B world, and uh, so so he uh, so sure enough. Every time I would listen to all ten of these these tracks he put down, I listened to the track played along with the played along with the record and the metronomic track, and I always picked the the non-metronomic one, and he, because it always had a certain intangible great feel and and great sort of exuberant quality, and I, we realized, and Sonny told me this later, he said these tracks they all rush a little bit, they all speed up because and and which helps create a little excitement. Now, I'm not much of a speed-up guy. I kind of want us to play sort of in the groove and in time and maybe lay back a little bit. But in this case, that track that's played along with Stevie's track, which kind of rushes a little bit. And so if somebody plays along with Voyager 1 and is able to sync up the, the record of I Wish, they'll rush together. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's, that, that shows you, that gives you a little window into the process of making this record. Fully six or seven of the songs, the origin uh, was film cues. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, you think of a film cue as, you know, as sort of a, a shorter, you know, a small thing, uh, or, or, or at least well, I they do. they are, yes. Right, and so to me, it's like... Yeah, to me, it's like you're taking something and shrinking it, and then you take that shrunken piece and make it big again, but it doesn't look anything like the original piece, I guess. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, but, but, uh, but it, it, it will. Uh, you're right. These film cues, over the past 11 years, I've written uh, some 230-some like different pieces of music for Spike films, ranging from one minute long, as you say, short cues, to four minutes long, something more extended that plays maybe over the end title, over the end credits, uh, you know, longer piece. So in some cases where I, I thought, oh, this cue sounds like it needs to be made into a song, but it's only a minute and 20 seconds long, I would have to uh, lengthen it, elongate it, just, just take a section and, and, and double it up. And so I would tell my engineer, okay, take this section from you know, 45 seconds 
to a minute a minute fifty and stick that here <laughs> and stick that at the end. And so that's how we would do that. I, absolute zero is a perfect example of that. That cue was oh I don't know maybe two minutes long and it wasn't long enough and for for this song I I was writing over it and so we did that. So you're absolutely right. Cues are are often <clears throat> really short and so that's my simple-minded solution. Just. <laughs> Take a take a part of it that I think is is it just that's that's a verse in the chorus that's become a verse in the chorus of a new song and just uh, double it just yeah. repeat it. You're tied to a lot of people in your career, and I think Spike Lee, at least for me, was the most surprising because I know a lot about your collaboration. That wasn't the one that I knew about, though. That was a fun thing to kind of find oh, out. Let's well, be clear here. I'm I'm Spike's B team composer. Okay? <laughs> Terrence Blanchard has been doing his films for oh thirty plus years, and he did so many of the big films. Malcolm X was a fantastic score. Uh, Terrence wrote. All, of, all the way up until Black Klansman this past year, the, the vaunted uh, latest film of Spike's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had a small role in Black Klansman. I, uh, Spike gave me, threw, threw me a bone and asked me to play some silent film music to accompany on, on an old out-of-tune upright piano to accompany the Klan meeting at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And well, while they're watching the, the D.W. Griffith sort of classic and very strange sort of awful movie, right. Birth of a Nation, uh, my music is playing as sort of as, as the accompanying sort of silent film music. And so I did that. But Terrence is his main guy. So I tend to do, I don't know, some of his indie movies that are way more under the mainstream radar screen than the, 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 the films Terrence scores. And so I've done such films as Red Hook Summer, The Sweet Blood of Jesus, the aforementioned NBA 2K16 <laughs> film, <laughs> film. And so... Uh, I did a score, a score for his old boy movie that was a bit of a, being a bit of a debacle, was, but that's a different story. But I, but a lot of that music that I wrote for old boy was used in subsequent films like the the, the, the aforementioned uh, Red Hook and uh, Sweet Blood. And so that's one reason why you may not know this because my you know my credits are showing up on movies that go into the art house, art cinema houses for a, a few weeks, mm-hmm. and then go wherever they go, onto Netflix or Amazon, wherever they go. Uh, and so that's probably one reason why this would surprise you. I also did, the first one I did for him was uh, an ESPN film that he made called Kobe Doing Work. It was a Kobe Bryant in-game documentary. And uh, I guess that was sort of my audition for Spike. And, and so that, but, but again, that's not something that's, uh, you know, lauded and applauded in the, in the New York Times, like some of these other big Terrence Blanchard uh, films. Still, though, I mean, you know what a great thing to have, and, and you know, and now kind of move it back to 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 this album too, because as far as you know, teaming you up with other people for a certain generation now, your name is linked with Bon Iver, you know, and this is this is sort of a thing. I guess it's coming in the last yeah. decade or whatever. But and I, I sort of wondered yeah. that you know, no you, question. Yeah, you, you all have worked together. You and you and Justin Verdon worked together a few times. And, we're, and, we're working together right now. We're like at the moment, or are on the new record? No, at the moment, yeah. And so the 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 affair continues, <laughs> and I do love what you guys yeah, do. Definitely. You know, did, did having you know Justin a few years ago really championing you and having the war on drugs, talking about you, you as a big inspiration. When I listen to the music now, there is parts of it that seem like a return to that classic sound, and I, I sort of wondered if, if that's what was going on. Like, oh, these new kids are sort of you know bringing that back up. Let, let's try that stuff again with them. I don't really get there's one okay there's one song on this record that's a very traditional sort of folk song uh simple folk song 
It's called Never in This House. And that, to me, is the one that harks back to an older time. But, any, again, it's not really exactly like that. Maybe some people might say, Take You There, the song I wrote with Robert Hunter, the last song on the record, maybe has a little bit of that old thing. But using why music takes it, again, to that minimalist sort of Steve Reich area that I love. And so uh, it's in that way. And, and there's a very dissonant atonal middle section that hopefully throws people who are living their white note life. This will take them out of that in a <laughs> beautiful, challenging way, hopefully. Well, <laughs> and uh, I, I will say, you know, to clarify a little bit, I, I, actually, I, I guess what I'm really, really getting here to without being specific for a song is, you know, I, what I find interesting is you take a younger artist who who loves, you know, an artist before them from a generation before them, and, and, and I think there is, is examples, you know, well beyond you and Justin when this happens, too, and yeah. you put them together, and it almost becomes this um, this circular thing, you know, influences playing off of each other when the younger one is kind of looking to the older one, but the older one's getting new tricks from the younger one. And I guess that's kind of what I wonder if it, what happens here, because that's when I hear you and Justin team up, I hear both of you. I do hear a little bit of a classic sound. Maybe it's just because it's your voice, and that's what it is. But I, then I hear the Justin right, right. thing creeping in, too, and it's it's just sort of interesting how that circle works. Well, for the record, my voice has really changed a lot. I sound really nothing like I did back then, and I've been, I'm really happy about that. I'm not really a big fan of that, a lot of that old music on a vocal level at all. <laughs> but, no, I think, but, 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 yes, I think you're absolutely right. There's a symbiotic relationship there uh, where he may be getting something from, him, from me, but I'm definitely getting something from him. I think he's just fantastic, and his last record, I always liked what he did, but the last record sent it into a new place for me because it was totally unique. And uh, I mean, not that the other, the earlier music wasn't, but this was, uh, I don't know, just a, a, a major leap forward. I'm talking about 22 a million. So yes, I definitely have, I, I've definitely, or I imagine I have taken a few tricks from him. Again, not, it's sort of unwitting, it's, it's sort of unwittingly, I'm not, uh, uh, but but, uh, but I do I do love what he does. I think he's just a fantastic uh, singer, writer, producer. He creates these beautiful soundscapes over which to sing, <laughs> and and so yeah, I so that that's an influence. So again, uh, Spike Lee and Justin, that's an interesting combo. But that's really a good bit of uh, the influence here. Again, again, mostly Spike. I think the music the music uh, on this record is fairly cinematic sounding and for a good reason because they come from my scoring my my, my scoring world yeah. the, the, the music that I write for him so yes but but uh, back to Justin uh, yeah in a word yes you're right there's there's a there's a mutual back and forth there well, I think what, you know, this album is really great proof to me is that genre doesn't have to be a thing and it never had to be a thing because there are so many different sounds and yet it still makes up this really interesting, you know, complex album, you know, w- without sounding just like a I guess a compilation of songs, you know, and and, and it, it, that really changed because, you know, in your early days as I was growing up or any of those things, it was all about genre. You were this or you were this and you were this and, and I think that had a lot to do with critics everything they would they would put folks in boxes and and when the millennial generation came in and and the shuffle button that sort of went out the window, uh, I guess. 
and and hearing. Well, let's let's hope that's right because it's always been a bit of a millstone around my neck from early, early on. Uh, I was sort of typecast as this as this adult contemporary guy, right? And but I've but spent my career sort of surprising all the people who would typecast me because here here I'm making music that you know is on the radio. Is it you know they're they're the way it is. What an unlikely top forty record, but that's what happened. And so you get even though you written a song and, cre- and, and made a record that has not one but two improvised solos on it, which is, never happens on the radio. It's a song about racism. It's hardly formulaic. But since it's played on Top 40 and also AC, then you're typecast. But then all of a sudden, here's this guy playing with the Grateful Dead. And they go, well, wait a minute. That doesn't fit our, our little box. That doesn't fit our typecasting and, and our, our stereotype. Uh, type of, uh, and so... I've been sort of been doing that all along, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've sort of been mystifying the people who would typecast me. It's just I could keep going and naming, you know, the next move that I made that uh, that surprised someone who was who was typecast me. But it's just been going. Suffice to say, I've been doing that for years because it's, for me, it's all about a long creative journey and always trying to stay inspired and move to new places that inspire me, whether it be old-time traditional folk music, old-time gut bucket uh, blues or uh, bluegrass or country or uh, gospel music or the great jazz piano voicings of Bill Evans. It's been a big influence uh, on me. Or modern classical music now. You know, so so my... Uh, a lot of people who wish I would make the same record all the time. I get na- I've been getting nasty letters since my second record. <laughs> and so... so uh, but I understand that there are people who want you to, like I say, stay the same, be a reliable source of a certain sound, a certain flavor that they've loved, mm-hmm. I guess, in their youth, and they want it to be that way all the time. So I've just not been their guy, <laughs> you know, so not since, say, the third record onward. And so, uh, so yeah, that's that's. I don't apologize. That's my life. Yeah. But but it, it makes it so at, at age 64. I still get to do this with amazing people, and it's it, it's an ever broadening array of interesting people, and that's a beautiful way to live your life. Uh, you know, sort of the pursuit of the unattainable is uh, it's a great way to live one's life. I'm always striving for something better, uh, trying to to improve as a, a singer, a songwriter, and a music and a, a player. I'm interested in virtuosity on my instrument, and so all these make all these interests make for a full life and a never-ending uh you know interesting interesting one well i mean we we love you know playing all your projects around here especially at wfpk i i, I want to say before we get out of here you did mention the dead there and i noticed that you're working with uh, robert hunter again on this you know as a as a lyricist and i just yeah. kind of wondered what that uh what uh, that was like this time around this is a song we wrote a few years ago that had never been recorded we wrote the, i wrote this but he's he basically for a few years sent me maybe one one lyric, one set of lyrics a year. You know, they would just show up mm-hmm. in my email. And uh, so what a gift, you know? Right. <laughs> what a great surprise gift every time that would happen. I've still got one. We've, we've written four together. And it's funny, I had not seen Bob Hunter since 1997 when he came out and did some further shows with us. The second further festival, he was a part of it as a performer. And... Uh, I haven't seen him since then, but he reached out to me out of the blue and said, hey, would you like to do this? And, of course, the answer was yes. I'm such a fan of the 
Garcia Hunter songs. I think they're just timeless. I think a lot of them sound like they were written a hundred years ago. You know, they just have this old-time folk quality that I love, and uh, I get chills. I got chills playing them with the dead. I get chills thinking about those songs sometimes. Warf Rat, to me, one of the greats. And so, uh, for instance, so yeah, he reached out to me, and this was the uh, Take You There. Uh, and it's, if you see the title, it's called Take You There, and in parentheses, Misty. You see that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're going, what the hell is that? And well, what, that that comes from specifically. I I, I started referring it to, uh, to to the song as Misty because I thought of it as my father John's Misty song. Ah. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> so it's my uh, the, the title. There is a is a uh, an oblique uh, homage to Father John Misty. Somehow I thought mostly the verses felt like something that he would be that he was doing at the time. Yeah. And. Uh, at the time, meaning, you know, a year and a half ago. Right. I played Coachella with Justin, and, and Father John Misty was on uh, the day before, and I saw him, and I was interested in it anyway, like liked what he do, like what he does. And uh, so, yes, uh, that's, where the, that's where the Appalachian edition, Misty, comes from. Yeah. I can't I'm wait not to... sure what Hunter will think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to go back and re-listen to that song now with that context in mind, because it's, uh, yeah. I'm, we're such huge fans of him the, too. Just yeah. the verses, just the verses, not the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bruce, uh, thank you so much for talking. I really do love Absolute Zero, and and again, we're such big fans of what you do around here. So uh, continue to do that. I don't think you can stop anyway, but uh, I can't wait to hear you know where the where the road continues to take you. Well, I appreciate it. I can't really stop doing this. It's the only thing I really know how to do. Yeah. So that's what. And but but I I just like to do it as well. So. Yeah, it, it won't stop for better or for worse, but thanks for being interested. I, I'd much appreciate it. All right. We'll see you around, and uh, take care. Okay, Kyle. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was. <laughs> you have a good <laughs> All right. Couldn't more disappoint you. Thanks a lot, man. See you. All right. Bye. A big thanks to Bruce Hornsby. The record is called Absolute Zero. If you haven't already, please do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here again. You can subscribe to us at uh, YouTube, at Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Acast, Podchaser. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series over there. Consequenceofsound.net. They've got all your music and film news. You can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That's it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.